and welcome to episode 82 of the 1099 for the week of March 6, 2017. I am your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, and we are doing something slightly different today. Uh, GDC just happened, and uh, the Game Developers Conference is a conference that I've personally never been to, which is like the one big black mark on my record, because like, I went to E3, went to different PAXs, and they're all unique in their own ways, but GDC is special in a way that like I... I <laughs> I really want to go every year. It's this different vibe. It's this different type of conference than the the flash and show of E3 or that community vibe, that audience vibe of PAX. And what I wanted to do this week was talk to someone who freelanced for different publications at GDC who actually was like, I want to go to GDC, pay me for this shit, and went to GDC. Uh, and the perfect person for that was Joseph Noop. Joe, how you doing today? I am a walking CDC control center, <laughs> but I'm great. This is um, the latest I've ever done a podcast. Before, uh, I had a like super late, recent, like drinking bourbon and talking with Lisa Foyles. Uh, that was one of my favorite podcasts. This is Aww. even later. <laughs> um, and I know no, no one listens to this podcast to hear me bitch, but give me, give me a little bit of bitching time. Um, Platform I've had like the... <laughs> <laughs> the longest day of like being an adult and being like, all right, I have two things to do today. I need to do my taxes. I need to get my oil changed. Um, and then I'll be good. Then for me, that's like, I, that's a, a successful Saturday. It's a shitty Saturday, but a successful Saturday. Um, midway through my taxes, I have two jobs. I have a 1099 job, a W2 job. My tax lady accidentally on her computer wipes my entire history from the last two years of 1099 freelance work. So, um, all of what? my, Everything I've ever expensed Fire is gone. Her. I like, and it like I don't know if it was her fault or computer's fault, but suddenly she's like, "Oh shit!" And she actually said, "Oh shit!" out loud. She's like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "What does that mean?" She's like, "I don't know how it happened." Um, we're gonna have to go through this. I was at the tax place for two and a half hours, going through like, "All right, what did you expense in 2014 for this, you know, IGN job you worked?" I was like, "Fuck!" Like I don't Jesus. know. So I had to go through this entire thing. Um, and by the end of it, I end up still paying a significant chunk of money. Uh, and then immediately after, I, I went to get my oil changed, my realignment done on my car, and uh, the my Toyota Care expired. So it's like, here, you also have to pay for this. Um, so it's been... And then I went to a bowling alley with friends to get some drinks, go bowling. And then uh, our lane immediately broke one like rack into it. Uh, so it's uh-huh. been one of those days today. So I need <laughs> to get back and just bullshit about video games. And I have, I have a whiskey next to me which is very important for the success of this podcast. Uh, and we just need, we need to talk. Instead of playing Overwatch like we normally do, uh, this is our substitute <laughs> Overwatch discussion because I, I, need to, I need to just vent and talk about games. Uh, I, so again, I am looking forward to getting back into Overwatch, though, because, uh, man, after a week straight of uh, paying 10 bucks for lift cars all around, a <laughs> really, really... See- I'm, I'm from the Chicago area. I'm used to wider streets and just more arm room and i slept in a closet in an airbnb so i, I stretched it on my couch today and uh today's venture was horizon zero dawn <laughs> oh god you need to be exhausted at this point i yeah. like for me i'm ever since the the reaching master class and overwatch competitive i've reached this zen point with it where i almost don't want to play it anymore and it sounds like sacrilegious like compared to everything we've done we were playing that game you know two hours every single night uh, for, for everyone's had... reference point, though, th- just when Josiah says he almost feels like he doesn't want to play anymore, <laughs> imagine if it, if like your spouse said, like, I just don't feel 
the love between us anymore. That's what it's, that feels like. <laughs> and I get it. It's it's such a weird place to be in where um and I know we're not, we haven't talked about we haven't talked about GDC yet, but this is an important <laughs> tangent. God. Um when I reach master rank, which if anyone's played Overwatch, once you reach master, and this is the a humble brag, um, you can't play with people underneath master. So you're playing with randos, and once you reach that level, people are so aggressive where if you don't do exactly what they want at the right time, if you turn the wrong way, use an ability at the wrong time, when it's like three or four people together and you're playing in like diamond or platinum or whatever, it's like, oh, just do this right the next time. In this case, I was called every slur I've ever heard in my entire life, and I never lost in master rank, but <laughs> even when we were winning, I've got, and it was just this like, maybe I'm done. With it's Overwatch. real, man. Like that—that that comp spirit goes from like you know your your best friend cursing softly into a mic, and you're just like, "LOL," you know, "Hey, next time we'll do better." To yep. some stranger, you just d- demanding to see your papers. <laughs> All of my recent messages on PSN are just like hate mail, and it's like stuff where it's like, "Dude, like we won, and I went like seventeen and four. Like what?" It, and it's just like they're at this point where it's just inches between. Mm-hmm hating you and loving you that it's like i don't i don't want to play this game anymore instead well, i'm playing like, I'll, I'll always love you so it's we that's the that. thing we need to get back in a group and we can make me fall in love with overwatch again all i've been doing is playing neo and that game is a solid 40 hours longer than it needs to be and again totally beside the point you went to gdc you went i to went to gdc conference uh you went for you did work for pc gamer you did, did a little bit for, for pc Waypoint. gamer yeah, doing some uh, long-term stuff for Waypoint, and uh, yeah, also a bit of upload VR, because uh, okay. that's the literally the only VR outlet that feels worth writing for at this point. But. I, I like that outlet because they did positive coverage of Here They Lie, and that's all yeah. I really. We've care had this about discussion right. before. Hashtag sponsored content. Yeah, no, we did have this. We did have this discussion before. Um, so again, like when you go to this is something way back, way back when this podcast was actually about freelancing. <laughs> yeah, I saw it two years ago. Um, this is one of the main discussions I had. I think it was with uh, Miguel Concepcion, who now works full time at Gamespot. Where Met he him. was, yeah, he's awesome, dude. Super he's a really dude. nice guy. Um, and he had that stretch at I think it was either last E three or two E threes ago, where he did full time work for Gamespot, where he had done this kind of like, hey, we need one extra person. Do you want to go? He's in the area. It worked for him, but you, you're not in the area. You had to fly over. So mm-hmm. when you first in your mind were like. I want to do GDC this year in some capacity. First question, what was the flight thing like? Did you pay for your own flight, food, and like room? Because in the end, you might end up going negative on what you make overall. Like, What's the process financially to get into this as a freelancer? So as someone who's been freelancing for the better part of three years, uh, it's people's timelines are different, and sometimes people much earlier than I will find themselves in an advantageous uh, situation. And sometimes people who are, have been doing this much longer will be still struggling. Uh, last year, uh, 20 March, 2016, uh, actually spent the night in, or spent two nights of a five day week in a hotel room comped by a devolver. A friend was doing a story uh, involving them and they were uh, putting the cost up front. Cause it was like a big blog thing for them or something. And, uh, uh, but generally, yeah, every event I've gone to, and you'll find this is the case for a majority of freelancers, I'm paying for my own flight. I'm generally paying my way, uh, for everything but like a press badge, because most places will give a press badge, you know, free of charge as long as you can verify that, like, I'm a legit actual person and not some cheapskate trying to 
get $2,000 worth of access for free. Um, altogether, um, I, I usually do end up making a, making my money back, but for me, it is much more about, uh, uh, making meaningful contacts, uh, of course, catching up with friends in between, you know, shouting at people and asking interview questions and running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's generally always an enjoyable experience. And I try not to think about it as a financial win more as a social standing and professional standing win. Um, cause I've come out of every event like this, uh, more well-connected, uh, with bigger, better stories generally every year. And, uh, without events like this, I probably wouldn't have half of, uh, my portfolio. So yeah. That's the weird part about going to these events as freelancer. Cause if you are a, again, Miguel had been doing this for like 20 years and lived in the area for him. He's had his contacts. He's had his moments. And of course you can always build on that, but it's more like, how can I maximize this financially, especially if you have a family or something like that? But for you and me, like right around this age of like 24, 25, mm-hmm. where, uh, especially if your goal is like, hey, eventually I want to do something full time. Like it's actually more investing in yourself than trying to, you know, go somewhere yep. and get some huge cash dump. You're you're worried about not worried about, but your your main goal is like, who can I meet there? Who can I talk to? And not just for the sake of. I want to meet this person and then hopefully look at me a job. But like, it's fun meeting your quote unquote heroes. It's fun meeting these people yeah. who you, you, you maybe written alongside so, or want to write alongside. So the interesting thing about, uh, my history with GDC is, uh, way back in, uh, like mid to late 2014, I'm still in college and, uh, I, I go to a IGDA, uh, international game developers association panel, in Chicago, um, with Charlie Hall from Polygon, Patrick Klepek, who then was still Giant Bomb, I believe, and uh, uh, Andrew Grone, who wrote the EVE Online history book, and a number of other folks who were fairly well-known freelancers. I think some of them have since left. And Charlie, uh, I, I asked him the question, you know, what what do I do once I've kind of solidified my voice? I've solidified, you know, I, like I can write. I can do this and I know what I want to do. And he's like, you know, start going to events, of course. And don't, don't go to E3, he says. Don't go to PAX, he says. Uh, go to GDC. And I was like, huh, that's, that's really interesting because I knew of GDC. I just never really considered it as a place that like, you know, E3 is always that picturesque, uh, utopia, it seems, uh, not literally because it's a hellhole if you actually go there, but GDC was this, weird amalgamation of yeah it's a games industry event but it's for the developers isn't it and for all intents and purposes it is but i found it's i find myself really lucky to have gone to gdc as my first big games event, uh at least in the capacity of media because it's such a dramatically different mentality filling those convention halls it's people with expertise and passion not just fans who you know are are wearing the cosplay and wearing the t-shirts and freaking out that they get to meet Naomi Campbell or something from IGN. Uh, they, they are there to learn how to better themselves and how to better improve upon the games that we've loved that have come before to make something meaningful later. And you get amazing interactions out of that. And 
I, I would lend the same advice Charlie Hall gave to me to anybody else who asked me the question is go to GEC. It's, it's unique and it's a little tough in terms of you know, all the, some of the panels are like how to build better clouds in Unity kind yeah. of bullshit, but there are meaningful stories to find there that are dramatically impacted in a positive way by the fact that you are de- interviewing a developer community. That's the weird part, right? Where there, it's it's that developer community where there are just panels like, "Hey, how do you speed tree?" or "How to do this thing that like maybe you or I are never gonna do in terms of development or in terms mm-hmm. of like, any sort of actual optimization for a game." But there's the value in understanding certain aspects of that, and also getting to the right sort of talk that'll work with you. When you first were considering going, like, what was your strategy in terms of one? which discussions, which panels, which talks I want to go to, and two, how can I sell the coverage of these panels to the right outlets? How did you kind of tackle who you're going to be working for? Right. So the question there begins with, and excuse me, my throat is kind of seizing up just because I've, I've definitely caught GDC. You're forgiven. Flu, but, uh, <laughs> um, you, the thing to know about GDC is half of its panels are very insider baseball talk, are very focused on the nuts and bolts of making games. You'll walk the halls and you'll see like little mini talks hosted by companies like Ubisoft or EA or something like that. And they, they will literally be running through um, the unity engine and giving a talk about that for 30 minutes. That's, that's useless to 99% of people who will jump onto a site like polygon or PC game or anything like that. However, the, uh, about 40, 50% of the rest of the panels are actually pretty good proving grounds for talks about games advocacy, uh, you know, diversity, um, making the better game. And depending on who you prefer to write for, you can usually find stuff like, uh, uh, for example, I went to a Art of Overwatch panel. And that's something that I'm sure you'll see plenty of at a PAX like events, uh, you know, because Overwatch is a incredibly rabid fan community. We are part of it. We know that. Uh, and just a little bit, but these were people talk. This was the artistic director from Blizzard and the, uh, associate artistic director, uh, talking about what were the main inspirations. And these were factoids that really weren't ever discussed or revealed before because they at least initially really wouldn't matter to the fan community. But, so they start talking about, you know, yeah, Tracer was the first character we designed. Technically, she was a holdover from Titan, the failed MMO that Blizzard was working on and then um, canceled. But uh, if you, uh, Josiah, you you didn't read the article, did you, Josiah? No, not yet. So, guess which character was the actual like artistic guideline for pretty much everything post tracer. uh, And I mean this in the way of like, they would put this character and if he or she fits like in concept art of Anubis, they would be like, yes, this feels right. Let's run with this idea. Which character do you think that is? Shit. Um, I want to say Roadhog. I don't think it's Roadhog. I'm just going to say Winston. (laughs) No, it was Torbjorn. What? The The black sheep. Of the Overwatch uh, community, <laughs> it's to- and so yeah, you have like paintings of multiple Torbjorns running around like the dusty streets of Anubis, and they were like, "This is because they were they were taking one part from Blizzard's legacy of dwarf characters and very stout characters from stuff like StarCraft and WoW and 
all that. And then they were like, but now we need to do something different. So Torbjorn is their homage to all the dwarf characters from uh, WoW. And then they, you know, say like, okay, what are characters that we haven't made? But if Torbjorn fit, they knew it would feel right. Uh, and as long as they made other characters feel like they could stand next to Torbjorn and not be a joke, right? Uh, and not make like one of the, one or the other feel like ridiculous, that it would work. And that's something that I wrote that for PC Gamer. And it, it's cool. It's a little tidbit that you didn't know before. And now the fan community has that to glom onto as a part of a bigger discussion. The, uh, the other thing I will say is, Unlike E3, where I think a lot of the content is meant to be pushed out that week or relatively soon after, at GDC, a lot of the advocacy talks uh, are, of course, about bigger, broader topics. You know, um, is there discrimination in the industry or the culture at large? Uh, is there discrimination against older gamers? Um my friend uh, and fellow writer, or freelancer writer for Wired, Daniel Starkey, was part of a Native American panel uh, about the games industry, talking about issues that Native Americans faced. And that's obviously not something that you can punch out in two days, but you can make those connections there. You can hear them speak what they, you know, planned on speaking before uh, two months before the videos become available on the GDC vault. And you can begin to kind of trace that story into something meaningful uh, for not just developers, but for people who actually give a shit about uh, the way the industry is changing. And so it really is just a matter of, like, go through the schedule, see, like, hmm, does this have the nugget of something that hasn't been covered before? And then... Uh, uh, the, the more rudimentary side of it is just, you know, make appointments, see demos for games that are, uh, not, that haven't come out yet that you can, you know, pitch preview content, say like, Hey, you know, I've, I've got an exclusive demo with, uh, the new survival game from, uh, a bunch of former vanilla wow developers. Do you want to hear about it? Cause it was an hour long chat I had with them and <laughs> you can turn that into really meaningful, uh, work. How do you sell, so let's say you're looking at the different like panels and different discussions that are happening beforehand when you're kind of reading about GDC. How do you look at that Overwatch talk and say to PC Gamer, like, hey, there's Overwatch talk, you're PC Focus Magazine, Overwatch is a big PC community, I want to talk about this. Like, Is that kind of how you pitch it before you even really know what it's about? Like, What's the process of that? Um, it it can be a bit of a, I guess the term I would use is like a, a crapshoot. You don't, you don't necessarily know going in what the nature of every talk will be for sure. Uh, so I, the PC gamer story was actually West Finland, their features editor, um, reached out to me, uh, cause he knew I was insane about Overwatch and he was like, Hey, uh, one of our writers has to cover the new Orisa character, uh, reveal. And do you want to go to this art panel, see if there's anything interesting and write up a 500 to 1000 blurb about it? Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I obviously did not anticipate learning that Torbjorn was the key guiding principle throughout like the vast majority That's a nice of the bonus. But yeah. And then uh, I, through that, I extrapolated some quotes about, uh, they actually revealed the Oriza origins trailer there at about the exact same time it popped up on Twitter. So it was a really nice surprise for everybody. Uh, but they gave some comments that I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is like getting the exclusive scoop on what 
the artistic vibe behind Orisa is. They talked about, you know, we really wanted to evolve the omnic ecology. And I was like that. I just stumbled into that. Um, I, I will say that I had a panel previously for upload VR. Uh, they were just like, Hey, go to this, uh, it was called refocus innovation on VR standardizing platforms. And you'll see like, Oh, our developers thinking about how they can make everything more standard between VR platforms, because obviously it's a bit of a wild west out there and that hurts the broader VR industry. That talk was all insider baseball, uh, talks about like APIs and, uh, package distribution. And I was like, wait, what? I, I have no, I, I walked out halfway through because <laughs> that was a waste of my time. I'm going to go play some indie mega booth things. Thanks. And I think one of the things that I would like to pride myself on with this podcast is being like blunt and honest about a lot of the freelance stuff. You have prior contacts. So again, you knew people from Waypoint, you knew people from PC Gamer, from Upload VR. Let's say someone is getting started. Like, let's say they they just got their yeah. first paid feature, like on a site of like let's say Pace Magazine or something like that. Um, is, is a conference like this only something you should really attempt to cover? Uh, if you hope to either break even or just make a little bit of money after you've spent a while in the industry, because like you mentioned and like I mentioned, the actual value of meeting people and creating connections. And uh, just making like putting a, a face to the name, that's invaluable. But if you are just starting, you might not get any money for something like this. Do you think you have to be established to actually, as a freelancer, successfully pull off a GDC, an E3, or a PAX? That's a sad bit, right? Is a lot of this comes down to uh, the, privi- the privilege we have as middle or upper middle class uh, people who can afford to take a hit, uh, for lack of a better term, right? And I will say, like, my first GDC, which was a few months before I graduated college um, in 2015. That conference, the chasm between that first conference and my second, where I got uh, a number of features published at, you know, Polygon, uh, Playboy. I, it was a pretty significant chasm. So I can't say, yeah, go to GDC as a total greenhorn. It'll be fine. That's not, I, I would definitely like recommend sinking your teeth into as much as possible before you get to G, like at least a few long form things before you really get into GDC. But, you know, it, every, every event like that is a little bit of a terrifying, uh, mystery for me. I don't know if I'm going to come out of how well I'm going to come out of this. I've been surprised thus far at every event I've been to, uh, GDC or otherwise, and had some luck, but it's it's a process of saying, like, it's okay that I didn't get anything published today because I know I'm working on something much more meaningful than yeah. an Overwatch article later. Uh, yeah, I would... It's... At some point, you have to go. And so I would hate, yeah. to, I would hate to think that someone would constantly drag themselves down and say... Oh, I'm not, I don't have a 4,000 word article published on Polygon. There's no way I can qualify. That's horseshit. Uh, you'll, you'll be just fine. The, the key is saying, know which panels outlets are probably already going to cover. You can probably safely bet that like the Art of Overwatch panel, a uh, 45 minute thing. Yeah. They're probably going to send a writer there real quick, especially if you know that like they're going to have a number of people there as opposed to like one representative. Uh, 
but look for the stuff that's a little more in depth. Like I went to a, a talk about, uh, research on elderly gamers that a professor who basically spent his life, uh, researching that topic, uh, gave and it was his first time giving that talk at GDC. So I was like, huh, okay, this, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around the crowd. Of course, there's nobody I know there, but it's not something that every outlet is champing at the bit to get, uh, because it's such a, weird unique topic it's not something that you can make a quick bang off of like art of overwatch uh but i turned that into a four thousand word feature at polygon because i was like hey look this this guy actually has data to back up the huge issue that elderly gamers are facing i'm going to interview him and then i'm going to interview like five different people that he recommends i talk to uh or that i discover you know have similar uh backgrounds and turn that into something really really meaningful what is your balance? So when you're walking around the show floor, when I think back to my E3 2013 experience and my, I think I was at PAX East 2013, you have a little bit, especially as a freelancer, of being starstruck by people you've read your entire life or people you've seen on video for a stretch where you have that like, oh shit, that's blank. Oh shit, that's yeah. Jeff Gertzman. Oh shit, that's Patrick Klepik. Oh shit, that's, yep. you know, again, fill in the blank. Um, as someone like you and like me who... You know, you're always hoping to keep progressing toward a full-time job. And these people, knowing these people is definitely not a bad idea, getting to actually have these discussions. Let's say you're at a panel, like you were mentioning, about elderly gamers or about Overwatch. And you see these people or these people from Gotaku or otherwise are probably gone tweet like, hey, I'm at this bar. Who else is around? Like, what's your kind of decision there about how do I respond to these people? How do I act without <laughs> coming off like, Holy shit, I can't believe it's you. And actually just trying to level with them as normal people. So step one, don't take my advice. Cause I, <laughs> I have a bad habit of being like, Oh shit, I really like, I respect your work. Oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, I, I don't fangirl out, but I, uh, I, I try to be enthusiastic. So it, it almost became a joke. This, this last, uh, GDC here, just, uh, what yesterday, I literally got back yesterday First year and maybe second year to an extent, I yeah, yeah, I had my fair share of oh shit moments. Actually, the first panel I went to at my second GDC last year uh, ended up sitting next to Shuhei Yoshida, which is oh like, oh, god. oh, oh, god, oh, god, oh, god. I got his, yeah, I have his business card laminated on my pin board right in front of me. So um, I, uh, but other than that, that's a really freaky, rare moment that's probably not going to happen for the vast majority of people. But, uh, if you meet someone who's like really meaningful meaningful to you either on a personal or professional level at an event like GDC it's the the basis that we've set for ourselves is this is a professional conference if you show up in your pajamas and your sailor moon t-shirt like the one i'm wearing yeah, you will probably shit. i might be disqualified you you might be a little yeah you'll, you're going to get disqualified you're going to get like whoa who is this clown <laughs> uh trying to you know get up in my business while i'm like don't walking to a, a don't panel. judge my sailor moon outfit and my pajamas this is i don't know but uh it it is perfectly okay to say like hey i really respect your work um you know have it have a chat about the craft have a chat about the industry have a chat about the show and interesting things you've seen and uh it's it's easy to fall into a trap of like you're a god 
to me, but these are people who are just there and they've got their head in a laptop for like nine hours a day. And maybe they find some respite by uh, going out and getting sloshed at the end of the night. But, uh, but take it from the perspective of, yeah, it's a professional conference. I broke that yeah. rule uh, just once this last week where uh, I had interviewed a developer of a random indie game. Uh, I can um, being mm. published by the Humble Bundle Company because they're getting into actual games publishing. And they're great, yeah. Great company, and the fact that they're actually kind of helping smaller developers get stuff and you know be part of larger packages is really great. Interviewed that developer, stumbled into him at a food court across from the convention center uh, a couple nights later, and I had forgotten he had mentioned that Ivy and Surashu had composed uh, the music for his game. And for those of you who don't know, Ivy and Surashu... Uh, is the like artist group name of the husband and wife couple who are the Steven Universe composers, and they're yeah. also a real they're also a really well known chiptune artist. So I like was he said, <laughs> oh hey, by the way, here's Ivy and Sarashu uh, having pizza with me or something, and I'm like, oh my god, like I I I'm not going to like get a story out of them. I just want to be like, I really love your chiptune music. You know, Steven Universe is really important to my friends. Uh, thank you for everything you do. And that's about the extent that you want to, uh, <laughs> fanboy or fangirl out to people. Uh, I have the selfie to prove it. Um, I will say if, uh, like the, again, the, the progression I saw from my first year to my second year was a lot more coming into my second year. I had people recognize me and that's, yeah. a, that's a little different. And I think it's very important to, uh, just always be respectful. You never know, uh, you know, someone might know a person like Miguel Concepcion, who, uh, for a while there, he was that freelance beats, you know, primarily GameSpot, but, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't Naomi Campbell or, or, you know, a couple of like the major IGN folks. He was just one of the guys, you know, halfway on staff doing the legwork and doing, doing really meaningful stuff. So yeah. it's important to, Always be super respectful and remember it's a prof it's a professional conference. Packs go nuts. That's what you're there for to kind of buddy up. Yeah, I that's what you should expect, and that's what people who of that stature of the GameSpot IGN Giant Bomb stature would they expect that because it is a consumer conference. It is a yeah. it, it feels like a fan environment, and even um I mean I can relate very much with I've been to a conference in a while, but even this podcast where uh, a lot of my discussions, a lot of my episodes. I am meeting or talking to this person for the first time as I am calling them on Skype to record an hour-long podcast with them, yep. where you, uh, like Michael Pactor, I've met him at his party three years ago, which I shouldn't have been at. I was like, I wasn't even, make, I wasn't even making money to write about games yet. It was just like a, a lucky instance. So I'm, suddenly I'm on Skype with him as he's like talking to his secretary about something, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm talking to Michael Pactor. What the fuck is going on? And it's that balance between being respectful and showing them the appreciation, like you mentioned, of like, I really appreciate your work and I really like what you do, but also yep. trying to be on a semi-even even playing field. You're not trying to like talk shit and be cool where it's like, yeah, I've done as much as you've done. No, but you also don't want to just be like sitting there bowing to them as it's going on. Same with when I talk to Patrick Klepek or, you know, anyone like uh, Adam Boys, Lauren Lanning, any of these people. It's just, you know, understanding they're just humans who did something really cool that a lot of people appreciated and you're trying to balance that you're trying not to be a crazy fan but you're also trying to express like you said a lot of them are like nose to the grindstone looking at a laptop all day and sometimes they get tweets but you know what is twitter like how do you really 
value is like is any of this real like when someone actually tells you directly like hey i think odd world is amazing or i think the work you do at polygon or uh whatever is amazing like that could go a long way just toward establishing that relationship with someone and i think people like don't understand it all the time they merely go toward the holy shit your stuff is really cool and they over fan it and you got to like find that balance between that when you're at an event like gdc or pax uh you mentioned before the overwatch talk you mentioned doing the like kind of like elderly people the elderly gamers and like older people doing gamers doing uh, games and like how you adapt to that was there anything else that you could point to that's like this is some really cool shit that only happens at gdc did you go to another panel or another talk that you uh, maybe are even writing about now that you were like, this is awesome and I'm really happy I went to GDC for blank. So I, my first two years, I, I have the running joke of I always cry at every GDC because it, it, there are certain moments where because it's lended that, uh, that credibility and that seriousness, uh, but also that humanity that being a crowd of game developers has, uh, so I think I think it was my first year. Uh, obviously, I'm still in college, and I go to every year, or at least for the last few years, they've had a panel called "One Reason to Be," and this is this changes a little bit every year, but it's basically a, a, a large panel meant to kind of address current uh, issues that certain segments of the game development community face. Uh, back in 2015, it was. Uh, a number of female game developers who, uh, you know, this is in the heat of Gamergate, essentially, talking about a lot of their issues. Uh, last year, I honestly forget what last year's was. I did not attend that one. But this year was uh, Muslim and Middle Eastern developers. Actually, I believe it was people of color, uh, uh, one or two of which were Muslim. And so uh, having attended that panel where you have a lot of people who had spent the last year being harassed and being broken down on social media and in articles and uh, just across the culture at large to see those people open up a little bit more and say like, Hey, here, let me tell you this story about uh, it was Brenda Romero uh, opening up about her. She lives somewhere in the desert and she has nature cameras uh, stationed around her the forest around her or the, the mountains rather around her home. And there she would show these photos of a bobcat out there, like a killer ass bobcat who like, if it found you at night, you're dead. And uh, <laughs> it was this amusing oh analogy of this, this bobcat is every like hateful person I've ever learned to deal with in the games industry. Like there's nothing I can, there, there's very little I can do about this Bobcat short of something drastic. It is there. It is in my backyard. It is in my home. It is close enough that, you know, when I sleep at night, it is less than a mile away from me with enough power to, you know, come through my door if it f felt the power to. And, through that, through that story and through a number of other really impactful stories, you have a crowd of people. This must have been one of the larger halls with a feeling like about a thousand people in this room, all standing up and cheering because this was a, a meaningful take on a, an issue that really plagues and continues to plague the games industry. Uh, that same year, you had Nathan Vella hosting the IGF Awards, and I think it might have been Tim Schafer 
hosting uh, the general GDC awards, essentially talking about talking very bluntly about Gamergate and harassment and how we as a community will not stand up for it. So each year un- inevitably has that moment. This year, of course, it was uh, some speakers talking about game developers who were affected by the travel ban or by general uh, anti or, you know, nationalistic uh, elements of the community. And you will like short of very rare circumstances at a PAX, I feel you will not see that or you will not see it addressed in such a unique way. And I don't know if I'm answering the question, but it seems like that's the kind of special moment that, uh, makes the event all worth it you totally did i answer right. that the, at all no yeah. you totally did okay. that's the kind of stuff that i couldn't get otherwise like when you a lot of people might walk away from gdc and say like oh well there's the new overwatch here when there wasn't very much news otherwise but you need those people who are actually there to say like here's the shit i heard about and here's the people i talked to and here's the in-depth shit that you know is important to me and i really want to talk about no that's mm-hmm. the on the ground stuff is the stuff i'm fascinated by another thing i'm fascinated by which i think is the, the careful balance where you see a lot of people who are on twitter saying like oh I, I went to gdc all day and then i went back to my hotel just to write and now i'm going to bed uh i'll talk to all you guys tomorrow and i think there's a value to mingling after gdc once gdc oh, yeah. once the floor is closed and once people are going to dinner people are getting drinks there's you know, when you look at e3 there's always parties there's always there's michael packer's party there's different parties by like ubisoft and ea and stuff like that uh for you did you kind of have a game plan going in of like look there's the i am working like you want to wring this experience dry mm-hmm. it's exhausting oh, yeah. and you're on you're on different you you're want to kill yourself for a zone. week and then yeah Totally, you're going to be sleeping entirely afterward. You have to recognize that. You have to go in like, even if I'm tired, I'm going to like wake up at you know six, get to wherever I need to go, wake up at seven, whatever, and go through this entire day of meetings, of maybe interviews, of different talks, different discussions. But even more important sometimes than actually being at GDC is the aftermath of talking mm-hmm. to these people. And like, I'm open about this stuff. I my first IGN feature was based off a conversation I had with Lauren Lanning at a party afterward, and then same thing with I met Jeff Keeley at a party afterward, and I met other people at a party afterward. And I don't want to say like you need to go get drunk at these parties, and that's how you do it, motherfucker. Like no, but <laughs> how important was it for you to look at these different things? Like how many different parties can I get into? How many different after you know dinners? How many different events can I get into? Because that might be the difference between you know me going home with a cool experience me going home with this new contact that can totally help me with something else. I think one of the interesting things about GDC actually is maybe two out of every three parties you're going to hear about have some element of there's going to be a, a cachet of game developers there showing off their games. Uh, but we're also going to you know, have drinks and a mingling area and stuff like that. It, and that's not necessarily something you'll see at PAX, uh, or I, I don't know about E3, maybe you would, but for more smaller stuff. But it, I think that's, that's where it comes down to, do you want to be a writer who can reach out to somebody with a mostly good pitch and say like, hey, Austin Walker, or... Uh, Matt Leone at Polygon, what do you think of this idea I've got? And you can have a, because you've made the connection at a party and like, you know, you give them your business card and you talk like a human for 20 minutes, 
you can use that to say like, you know, I'm a real person who isn't some crazy slime ball on the internet who won't uh, drop at the tip of a hat. And I would almost say, while you will meet lots of people at the show floor in the press room and uh, during show hours itself, the more meaningful, long lasting memories you're going to get uh, mingling with professionals in the industry, be they press or otherwise, will be at these parties. Yeah, you'll find the one thing I do like about the gaming community as as drunken as it is, there's still plenty of people who are like, I'm going to drink one or two beers and I'm here to smile and have a nice time. Maybe meet someone new, and that's perfectly okay. You, you're talking about nerds in a dance club. It's going to be okay. Practice safety. Absolutely. I actually, you know, I will repeat that point. P- please practice safety as it is not, uh, it is not impossible to, for someone to find themselves in a uh, dangerous circumstance. It, ha- it has happened to a friend or two of mine in the past, but that is, Largely any events uh, where, you know, liquor is being served. So, you know, know what you're getting into. Large groups, liquor, conference, people being, you know, away from home. A lot of weird stuff can totally happen. I'm trying to think of uh, parties I've gone to that have reaped really significant uh, relationships. A lot of it, a lot of it ends up becoming solidifying relationships with people you might like only tangentially know. So chatting with uh patrick klepik or uh you know playing some games playing some multiplayer games with uh somebody you might have only interacted with on twitter uh it helps you build up that relationship so when you need a favor later like hey can you look at this pitch i'm not sure about hey can you uh give me some advice on ringing the money that this place deserve that this place owes me you know it it will be a much easier time for you than if you never, if you were still just a face on a Twitter profile. Totally. And like so much of the actual event of being on the floor of a GDC or a PAX or an E3, it's so business. It's so like buttoned up. You're just, you're moving, you're moving, you're moving. You're trying to go to the next meeting and the next appointment. And you're not really thinking about, you know, introducing yourself and getting close to people like that. And uh, my biggest experience is always E3 where I went to Pactor's party and then I went to a Twitch party. Uh, and like, that's when people let loose and just talk to you and you actually get to know people other than introducing yourself as a fan. You're introducing yourself at a party environment where, you know, someone's holding a a beer or a whiskey next to you. You're holding the same thing. You're just talking. Uh, and you have those, like a lot of those people, the people who, when I was having like roadblocks in terms of writing and pitching, I was like, can you look at this to make sure I'm not an idiot. Can you make sure I'm okay? I'm actually like looking through this thoroughly and stuff like that. And that's a lot of my stuff that, you know, looking over my career, if it wasn't for those instances, I'm not saying everyone go to a conference and get drunk. Actually, you know what? Maybe I am saying that, but let me pretend I'm not saying that. Like that stuff is valuable in terms of just meeting people. You don't have to drink, go and get a diet Coke and just talk to people. Yeah. Totally fine. You, it's just, you have to get that instance where you're letting loose and where people aren't on the floor constantly thinking about what they need to get to next and what especially at e3 where you're like i have another appointment in 15 minutes here we go we're going yeah. to the next one and when you get to that moment where they can just like unbutton the top button and just talk like it means the world it's extremely important to your progression as a freelancer or otherwise like for me again i looking back at e3 2013 there are so many instances of podcast guests of jobs i mean that's where i that's where I first met Corey Davis, who I now work for at Tan Gentleman, and that's yeah. where I met like Michael Pactor, who I podcasted with. That's would where I met would you have been hired if you hadn't met Corey? No, you know? 
And like, no, and like, that's the crazy thing. I'm not blaming anyone. Like, you look at this shit, it's insane. Where like, I am lucky where I knew Corey Davis because I I reviewed uh, Spec Ops. I really liked it, and I think I sent the review to him because you, you sometimes you do that when you're yeah like a, a lower like when you're freelance sometimes and you have direct contact with the person like hey i reviewed your game here's my review like you know whether it's good or bad here it is um and we had a conversation i got to know him because he was like dude with giant beard and when i saw him i'm like that's the spec ops guy <laughs> holy shit you could tell um and like you look back at that stuff you're like if and i i recently tweeted about this where there was this interview of me and him when i was 20 21 years old uh, it had no idea how to interview people. It's a really bad interview. I'm really bad at it. But at the time, again, it was one of my first ones. And I'm like, this is crazy. Cause like, I don't, sometimes you don't put this, you know, you don't put two and two together. Like if it wasn't for that, like you mentioned, I might not have this job. I might not be in a situation. I'm and, in. and so much of that y- shit is like that. You've only been doing the tan gentleman job for what? About a year, right? So it, just over it, a year. Yeah. For, from, from that meeting at 20, at 2013 to now, you know, it's okay to like, Walk away from a meeting saying like, you know, hey, I didn't, I, I just got his business. He, he didn't offer me a job then and there, but you made that connection and it did eventually turn into something because you kept pushing at it. And I think that's, that's arguably one of the most beneficial things you can do is continue to be a face time and time again, because when people begin to familiarize themselves with you, I, you know, if you had told me a year ago that certain people I really admire uh, would be actively following me on Twitter and for whatever reason, valuing my opinion, that would blow my mind, but it's because I have done this for a long period of time. One thing I think I will add, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, meeting people and mingling and, and getting quote unquote out there is, especially if it's your first time at an event, to say nothing of, of GDC in particular, don't get discouraged or don't get like disheartened if, uh, someone you really admire is human. Uh, you know, you meet someone who's like on, on a video, they're really well composed and they're, uh, very, uh, sharp and witty and their content is filled with humor and, and stuff that, you know, really makes them feel special and important and bigger than life. Half these people are going to be like physically shorter than you. Like that's, that's the striking thing always like is you, you see these people like, Oh wow, he's really taller. Wow. Oh, she, he or she is really short. And, if your conversation with them doesn't turn into the magical unicorn of, oh, I really respect your work. Oh, what do you work on? Oh, you know, let me tell you about the story of time and let's bond. Yeah. It's okay to just say, hey, shake hands. How you doing? Hey, hope you have a good rest of your GC. Cheers. And sometimes it won't mean anything. Sometimes, you know, some people have, I, I've done the thing of like, do you remember me? And they'll be like, oh, hell yeah, I remember you. And, it's that thing about putting in more and more time to say, not only does this person know my work, but they kind of, you know, remember me and remember my general personality. And we don't have to do the awkward shuffle of, so what do you do? It can be more about just being a human and further building that connection. It's such a weird thing. Again, it's like a pain in my in. ass. <laughs> <laughs> you go in and again, like I've always said this multiple times, the podcast and previously. <laughs> Um, maybe someone who's listening right now who doesn't understand the industry, who doesn't really care about the industry that much, like someone like Jeff Gerstmann or Patrick Klepik, you have no idea who that is. To us, that's bigger than a normal celebrity. Like for me, I'd rather meet that person. Like, okay, like a stupid example, but like there's Brad Pitt. Cool. If I meet Brad Pitt, awesome. But if I meet Jeff Gerstmann or someone like that, like that means more to me because I have this connection. Yeah. It's this like, it's this level of 
seeing them on video, reading them for this entire time. Again, when I when Kevin Van Ort edited my work, that was crazy for me because that's the guy who I read when I was, you know, in high school and college trying to do this shit. Like, and someone suddenly he's looking at my work and saying whether well, it's good or not. So that's terrifying. Uh, and yeah, like you said, you can't have these unrealistic expectations for these people. But in the same way, you can't walk away from GDC and be like, man, I didn't get a good opportunity from this right away and think it's a failure because sometimes you're planting seeds. Sometimes, and you, you can't look at this as all career-oriented. You have to look at this as like, these are real cool people. I'll meet yep. them. I'll talk to them. It'll be awesome. And say, like, I never thought anything that that came from um, Corey and my discussion with Corey Davis would lead to a job. It was just like, oh, we're going to do an interview on the floor. I want to do a video for our YouTube channel. Let's do that. Um, and you keep in contact with these people because they're awesome people who you respect. And when something comes up that makes sense, maybe that makes sense and it works. And like, you, I guess, like, and again, that's always the weird balance yeah. where you're trying to see these people as one, they're kind of your heroes. Two, they're opportunities for maybe jobs in the future. But three, they're also just people you can't use as like, you're not mining jobs out of them. You're not doing these opportunities out of them. Like, they are awesome people that you have to look at as people and hope that eventually, like, if something happens, it happens. If not, it's totally fine. They're just great dudes or great women. So I actually – I had a pretty interesting conversation with an, a talent agent for Blizzard because uh, I have been pretty public, about, pretty public about like I will I will jump at the chance to do like community management or PR or something for the Overwatch world uh, in a heartbeat. And the way he put it to me is, so you've got the passion, clearly. You own, you own, an, you own one Overwatch t-shirt for every day of the week and, you know, your, your car keys are Overwatch and you're putting a tattoo on your body. Great. That's cool. That's one leg of this. Second leg Wait, stop. is... Wait, Are you putting a tattoo on your body of Overwatch? Wait, what? Did uh, I miss that part? I'm, have I not told... I've told you. The no, Overwatch, I don't think you told me this. I'm, I'm, I want to put the logo on my arm. Oh, that's pretty good. You should do it like your lower back. It should be like... <laughs> a Yakuza like, tattoo. Right. <laughs> Just the, the, the Overwatch lineup in uh, oh, Ancient. Can uh, I get a Roadhog on, like, my thigh? <laughs> oh, God. Get a stomach so tattoo. There you oh, go. my God. Don't even suggest that. I'll do it. Get really fat. Just stop working oh, out now. Oh, my God. But, uh, so, the second leg he said, you know, is expertise. And that's, again, that's something you gain over time is you can, you're, you're showing people you can write a story. You can create a tale. And you can create something meaningful that people want to read and that people uh, know that you're a real person who knows uh, their shit. And the third is timing. It is always timing. It's uh, These positions will not always be open. These opportunities will not always be present. But it's just put yourself out there. And I di- did I think I would literally – I was walking from hall to hall and I was like, wait, I recognize Jess from – uh, the Blizzard talent division. And I was like, hey, Jess, how, how you doing? Like, I had messaged him previously about like, hey, what's a guy got to do to, you know, have a quick chat about uh, uh, community management roles, stuff like that. And he hadn't gotten back to me yet. Not a big deal. But I was like, hey, I st- have stumbled into you. Let's chat for five minutes and then let him get back to his friggin' emails because you don't want to overbear. It's, yeah, time becomes key. And that's why I don't feel bad about you know, I think this GDC, I did four stories the week of GDC, each somewhere between like th- four to 1,000 words. 
or 400 to 1,000 words, but I have tons of stuff to last me for another two or three months as a result of this trip. I don't feel bad about, like, not being nose to the grindstone, because that's my work style. I'm so sad I didn't go at GDC. It's not my list of, like, goddamn. We never met. That's the weird part, is you and I have talked, like, we had a stretch of, like, months where we talked every single night. Still haven't met, so eventually we... E3. Go to E3. Are you going to E3? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll pay for your trip. E3 trip. We're going to figure this out. We're going to... We're just. I'll just be your live-in Airbnb maid. Put it on your calendar. I don't know. Work for 10, gentlemen. I'll, I'll work it out. I'll get you somehow <laughs> expense. Yeah. Uh, before... Last thing. Before we do that. If you're listening to this podcast right now, um, I don't do this call very often. Uh, please rate it on iTunes. Please go on iTunes and say, this, this shit's the best. I'm so happy this podcast exists, because me too. Um, give it a five out of five, leave it a review. Um, you're going to love it. Subscribe because we have Vinny Caravella coming up after this. And then Adam Sessler and then uh, the creative director of Dragon Age. Shit's going to be popping off soon. Uh, so before the you know, last question here, what do you have that's going to be published soon that you could talk about? What, what What's coming out? Where can we find it? And my most important question is where can people find you on social media, Joe? Uh, I would love it if everybody, uh, if they haven't already read my Obamacare story, uh, that's actually my pinned tweet on my profile, which is at Joseph Noop, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. Uh, I obviously going to GDC, I asked plenty of developers like, hey, what did you think about my story about how Obamacare impacted the industry and what we, you know, think might happen if uh, it's repealed or replaced or, you know, manipulated in some way? Uh and upcoming, I am currently working on a story about, uh, there was a really charming talk at GDC about, uh, this, this small, small group of developers had made a interactive, uh, radio play off of the, uh, Amazon Echo. So much like the classic radio plays where you have, you know, the, the clanking of shoes and all these sound effects, but it's a choose your own adventure story where, with audio prompts and you speak to your, uh, Alexa to say like, I am Sherlock Holmes and I want to investigate here or here. Uh, and I, I'm working on something about that and kind of, uh, how they bridge the gap between the classic radio plays and this new thing with the, uh, really interesting technological limitations that they faced. Uh, look for that coming up. And yeah, like I said, at, at Twitter, J O S E P H K N O O P. Also everyone play monster prom. That's game of GDC. It's I, what a, is that even about? I've never heard of this. It's a raunchy as fuck uh, dating sim with uh, all the classic Warner Brothers monsters. So like, uh, Wolfman is a jock. Uh, there's a like slutty ghost. There's a yeah. Uh, it's it's just so good, and I don't even want, like just watch videos if they're out there. It's so funny. See, so, yeah. I hope this is on your. Um... Top 10 games of the year list for 2017. You're reinvited, by the way, to the annual 1099 Freelance I, Game of the Year Awards. I will admit, so before the GDC Awards, they have the Indie Games uh, Festival Awards, and I was like, oh, hey, Imbroglio's actually up there. <laughs> Shit, I guess he had a point. <laughs> See, we're just way ahead of the curve. We're the hipsters of all Game of the Year Awards. He just didn't yeah. get it the first time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Joe, thank you so much. I've wanted to do one of these GDC gdc shows for a while uh it again is a conference at the top of my list of ones i want to go to that i haven't gone to yet thank you for all your insight your on the floor insight and uh yeah hopefully we can do this again when you go to another conference or if you want to talk about overwatch we can talk about like a new overwatch hero for like three hours on an upcoming podcast i'll be totally fine with that 
you'd probably die. We'd never leave. It would. It would just be the road. It would just be the Roadhog show. Let's be honest. Oh, see, that's my next podcast is like the Roadhog cat. There just has to be a better name for it. The Roadhog Road Tour. The 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 Hog. The Hog cast. The the antiques. The antique Roadhog show. Oh my god. Oh fuck. I'm all right. I'm canceling the 1099. That's my new one. (laughs) Shit. Oh god. Thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully right. tune back in for the next episode of the 1099. <laughs>